You're listening to The Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. Welcome to The Gathering Church this morning. So glad that you can be with us. My name is Robbie Denson. I'm one of the pastors here at the Gathering Church, and I just got to tell you, it is so good to be back. I have just enjoyed the last couple of weeks worshiping together. It's just been so encouraging to, uh, one of the things that I've really enjoyed is to see people serving one another, to see the smiles of the, well, you know, to see the eyes that are responsive, the smile when people walk up and and just to be able to meet together and to serve and to create a place of hope in this community. It's just good to be back together. If you're joining us online, we want to let you know that we are doing our best to provide an excellent online experience for you. And we look forward to seeing you when you come back. We just are doing everything we can to make sure you feel a part of what's happening here live. If today is your first Sunday joining us, whether that's online or live, we would love it if you would fill out an online connect card just to let us know you were here. One of the things that we want to make sure we're doing here at the gathering is helping you take your next step. And so by filling out that online connect card, you're saying, hey, let me know what I got to do. And so just fill that out. You know, if today you make a decision for Christ, let us know. If you have a prayer request, let us know. On that connect card, we just want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to help you along your spiritual journey. Today, if you want to join us for Growth Track, if you've been attending for a few weeks and you want to join the Dream Team or you want to learn a little bit more about the Gathering Church, come to Growth Track today. It's right after service. It's roughly an hour long. You get to hear the vision of our church from our lead pastor. And then you get to ask some questions because we understand that just like we want to learn a little bit about you, you want to learn a little bit about us. So join us for Growth Track today, immediately after service. Last thing before we get started, I'm excited about this. Tomorrow morning, we have the opportunity to partner with the Asheville Dream Center. The Asheville Dream Center is an organization here that's, you know, so often we as a church, we go into communities and we don't ask questions. We just try to provide answers. What I love about the Asheville Dream Center is that they've gone into a community and they said, no, no, what are your needs? How do you need us to serve you? And they've come alongside us and we've come alongside them. And we want to love and support each other as we care for this City And so tomorrow morning, it's been a last minute event that we've planned, but it's going to make a big impact. If you want to join us at 8 a.m. at the downtown YMCA, we're going to be passing out 1,300 crates of food into the community. So we need hands. We need people pointing people in the right direction. And so join us tomorrow and we will give you more information. I know what I sound like. Uh, I've been dealing with a voice issue for about a month and a half now. And all week, I just want to let you know, I'm not mad at you. Every every phone call I've gotten this week, I go, hello? And they go, hey, man, are you you mad at me? Did I do something wrong? No, 
No, I'm just really having to push today. So um, I got my tea up here. I got a powerful message. I've been praying for God and our prayer teams. I've been praying for, for my voice to last another 30 minutes or so. And I think we're going to get there. But um, we just wanted to let you know all of that. Come out tomorrow, 8 a.m. to the downtown YMCA. 7 a.m. if you're crazy and you want to help us unload food. So we look forward to seeing you tomorrow if you can make it. Last week, Pastor John Mark started a, a brand new series called Mistakes Were Made. Mistakes were made. You know, the unfortunate reality for all of us is that we've all made mistakes. Some of our mistakes, I will agree, have been more impactful than others, but nevertheless, we've made mistakes. We've all got mistakes that we had to recover from. We have mistakes that are kind of behind us. Unfortunately, we have mistakes that we're currently dealing with, and most likely, we've got mistakes waiting for us in our future. And what we want to do in this series is help you to see that your mistakes can be the catalyst that God uses to point you in the right direction. Your mistakes can be the catalyst to discovering your purpose. And we believe that here at the Gathering Church. You know, what, so often you and I, we see our failure in our mistakes. But I'm convinced that God sees opportunity in our failure. We see failure in our mistakes, but I'm convinced that God sees potential. And so the title of today's message is get back on track. Yes, you've made mistakes, but it's time to get back on track. We're going to be looking at a brief season in the life of Jonah this morning. We've all heard the story of Jonah. I feel confident saying that Jonah is one of those pieces of the Bible that somehow works its way into your brain, even if you didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up going to Sunday school, but man, I sure did know the story of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet whose story takes up just a little bit more than a page in your Bible, but his story packs a punch. And, and I believe we can look at this short moment in Jonah's life and what we see is someone who responded well to failure. And so I want to look today at six things we can learn from the life of Jonah. If you're taking notes, I want you to, to write these down. For those of you who don't know, Jonah is known as the reluctant prophet. And in a page and a half, we see why he gained such a title in such a small amount of time. The first thing that we can learn from the life of Jonah <clears throat> is that God will often ask you to do things that you don't want to do. God will ask you to do things that you just don't want to do. Look at with me in Jonah chapter one, starting in verse one. He says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because the wickedness has come up before me. He says, hey, Jonah, Nineveh's caught my eye. I want you to go there since you're a prophet. What prophets do is they receive the word of God and then they give the word of God. And so as a prophet, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach against this city and I want you to preach for me. And so we need to put this in context. In the time of Jonah, the time that he was standing there communicating with God, he had to travel to Nineveh. It's important that we understand that Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, 
during this time. In modern times, in 2020, we're talking about Northern Iraq. And so when Jonah is being told to go to Assyria, we have to understand that during this time, the Assyrians were known for their ruthlessness. They would ravage the cities that Israel were in. They would ravage their land, terrorize their people, kill their people. And here we have God coming to Jonah, an Israelite, saying, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach a message that most likely this city is going to take as a threat. And so I want to talk about Jonah's response to God's very clear direction. But before we dig into that, I want us to relate to it a little bit for just a moment. God had a purpose for Jonah's life. You see, you and I get to look at Jonah's story through a lens that Jonah doesn't have. We know that because of VeggieTales, of course, we know that when Jonah finally ends up in Nineveh, God works miracles, right? He moves into the city, performs miracles, and this city turns to God, and they repent. But Jonah doesn't know that at the time. He doesn't know what's about to happen. So, of course, Jonah, an Israelite, is reluctant to be obedient. And so my question for us this morning, as we crack open this morning's message is, what is God asking you to do? What is God asking you to do? Or maybe, maybe for you, it's what has God already asked you to do? What is that thing that sits in the pit of your soul, just you kind of keep putting wood in there and it keeps burning and it's been months and now it's been years and God's been stoking that fire and you just haven't stepped towards it. What is God asking you to do? Oftentimes, God is asking you to, you to do things that you don't want to do. And I want you to hear this. It's not because he wants to see if you will do it. God doesn't place things in front of you just to see if you'll do it. It's because he's pushing you towards the purpose he has for your life. We talk a lot about finding freedom here at the gathering. And what I've learned in my years of obeying and even disobeying God is that oftentimes the thing that he's asking me to do, he's asking me to do it because it's the next step in my journey towards my purpose, towards freedom. And so with that, what is God asking you to do? I want to dig into that a little bit, but let me share with you the second thing that we learn from the life of Jonah. <coughs> Oftentimes, God will ask us to do things that we don't want to do. And the second point is this. You can always find a boat heading in the opposite direction. Listen to this, verse three. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he had found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So God meets with Jonah, gives Jonah clear direction to go to Nineveh. And so what does Jonah do? He heads to the nearest port city. They traveled by boat, so I gotta go to a port city because I gotta travel on water. And when he gets to Joppa, Jonah has a decision to make. And if you study the map of where Jonah was, what you'll learn is something interesting. When Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, and he got to the port of Joppa, he was 500 miles 
away from God's purpose. But what we just read is that when he got to Joppa, he didn't go 500 miles. Instead, he went 180 degrees, the opposite direction, to Tarshish, 2,500 miles from where he was. So here's what I find interesting. Some of us are willing to work harder to disobey God than it would be just to obey him, don't we? Jonah chose a journey five times longer in order to avoid the call that God had for his life. Hand up. We do this all the time, don't we? God's, let me kind of paint a picture. God's asking some of us to forgive, but instead we would rather hold on to the pain and the grief. We would rather labor in the anger than allow God to bring peace and freedom into our soul through forgiveness. Forgiveness is work, I agree, but holding on to unforgiveness robs us of our freedoms, but we choose it, don't we? It steals away our joy, but for some reason we choose it and we plow on. We keep our sail up, heading in the opposite direction that God's asked us to go. God's asking some of us to get honest with our spouse, but we choose the impossible task of living a double life hiding the credit card statements, deleting the Facebook messages, the internet history. And we choose this impossible task of living a double life because we're afraid of how our spouse will respond. Or what about this? God is asking some of you to forgive yourself. <coughs> to forgive yourself, to move on from the mistakes, to give yourself Grace, but you would rather get on the boat to Tarshish and beat yourself up for the rest of your life, telling yourself that you're not worth it, that you don't deserve it. And why do we do this? Why do we choose this laborious task of disobedience? We do this for the same reason Jonah did. If we're obedient to God and we go to the place he's asking us to go, we're afraid of what we'll find when we get there. Jonah was terrified of what Nineveh would do to him. And that's where we are. If I forgive and I put my anger down, my anger has been my purpose, Robbie. What's next for me? If I share with my spouse, if I get open and honest, how will they respond? If, if I forgive myself, then what does my future look like? What are my next steps? You see, you and I are a lot like Jonah, aren't we? When Jonah was heading to Tarshish, you know, Jonah wasn't live tweeting this. It wasn't until Jonah had perspective and this story was over that he wrote the book of Jonah. You hear me? So we hear Jonah saying, I was disobedient. But in the moment when he got on the boat to Tarshish, I don't think he was saying, yeah, no, God, I'm just not going to obey. I had a clear conversation with God and I'm just going to disobey him. No, I think Jonah was saying, I'm going to give God some time to think on this. I think he may have forgotten, I'm an Israelite. I think he may have forgotten what they'll do to me. He was probably thinking, surely God doesn't want me to go to Nineveh. Those people are crazy. Let's give him a little bit more time. Maybe he'll pick someone else to go. You see, Jonah had convinced himself he was doing the right thing. Jonah had found a way to rationalize his way out of obedience. We do the same thing, don't we? Like Jonah. We can so easily convince ourselves that getting on the boat to Tarshish instead of the place God has called us to is what's best for our life. 
The third thing that we learn from the life of Jonah is that God may send a storm to get your attention. Listen to verse four. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Jonah got on a boat heading the opposite direction of God's calling and now he finds himself in a storm. You see, somewhere along the way, I think the church has painted a picture that your purpose is refined in the hills and the rainbows. I think somewhere along the way, the church has convinced us that our purpose is defined for us when we're on top of the mountain, when we're living in the rainbows and the fields of happiness. And I've got what I consider good news for you. That's not true. And here's why that's good news, because for some of us, because of our mistakes, we're living in a place where rainbows and happy places, they don't exist. They don't make it down there. Some of us feel like we're on the same boat that Jonah is on and we're barely hanging in there. The waves are crashing and the ship is starting to break and everyone around us can see it and we, we know they can see it and here we are, we don't know what to do. And what I love about our God is that he's willing to dip down to however deep you are to get your attention. You see, I think this morning that God wants to get someone's attention. God works through the good stuff. I'm convinced what I have found in my personal life that he does his best work in the midst of our bad stuff. You see, when this storm is going on, everybody on the ship is freaking out. And I skipped this verse, but Jonah actually went down and fell asleep. Jonah had grown comfortable in his disobedience. So God's in a storm to wake him up. Maybe this morning you're in a season of a storm. Can I just encourage you? God might be trying to wake you up. God will allow you to deal with the consequences of your mistakes, but he will also meet you there as well. Some of us, we find ourselves in a storm and it feels like we're about to go under. Could it be that God today wants to get your attention? Could it be that in his mercy, he's saying, hey, I see where you've gotten yourself, but I'm here. Here I am, come on. I think God speaks to us very simply sometimes. I think some of, us, some of us, we're looking for this, you know, beautiful prayer. We're looking for this moment in time, but could it be that God's just here saying, hey, all right, you, you done? Let's go, let's come with me. God wants to wake someone up this morning. He's given you a way out of the storm this morning. And, and let me add this note because I think this is important. I'm not preaching this message this morning, but maybe we should soon. Some of you are going through a storm, not because of something you did, but because of someone you've let on your boat. Let that take a moment. You know, maybe, maybe you've got someone on your boat ripping things apart. It could be that you aren't the Jonah on your sinking boat, but it could be that you've allowed a Jonah on your boat and he's sinking it. That's just a side note, but some of you need to throw Jonah out of your boat. Some of you need to delete that number from your phone. Get rid of that social media that has become so much of a temptation. Remove people from your life that are sinking your boat. And hear me say, that's okay. 
That's okay. What do you do when your mistakes have put you in the middle of a storm? The fourth thing we learn from the life of Jonah is take responsibility for your actions. Bummer. Look at what Jonah does. I love this. The boat is falling apart. He wakes up. God has his attention. They're all fearful. They're going to they're lose their life, lives. And Jonah has finally come to grips with the fact that God is trying to get his attention. Look at what he says in verse 12. He says, hey guys, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm because I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Jonah takes responsibility for his disobedience. He owns it. Uh, Coach John Wooden, and I know none of you know who that is because this is Asheville and there's like two of you that like sports in this room. I get it. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time and he says, you're not a failure until you start blaming someone else for your mistakes. Taking responsibility is challenging because it's not just about acknowledging your mistake. It means you have to deal with the consequences. And Jonah's about to deal with these consequences. Jonah is thrown out of the boat. And I want you to look at what happens next in verse 17. He says, <clears throat> now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And so here we have Jonah taking responsibility for his disobedience. And he deals with the consequences. But I want to make something clear. You may think that getting swallowed by the fish was the consequence, but it wasn't. He was thrown out of a boat into a raging storm. Getting thrown out of the boat into the sea was the consequence. Getting swallowed by the fish was the blessing. You see, Jonah's on top of the water, seeing these guys pray to their gods, and he wakes up and he's, he's just sitting in the background. He knows, what the pro he knows he's the problem. He, he takes responsibility. And these guys did what some of us got to do. They got Jonah out of their boat and they did whatever it took. That's the consequence. When Jonah's up there taking responsibility, God is planning Jonah's comeback story. God's preparing a fish. I don't know how big this fish is. I imagine it was big. Sunday school tells us it was a whale. <coughs> Jonah was in the middle of the ocean, completely helpless, dealing with the consequences of his choice. And just when hope is about to run out, God responds. And can I tell you something this morning? Your boat may be sinking and you may be about to go under, but I am convinced that God is preparing a comeback story for you. When you take responsibility, God is present for the pain you may be about to feel. And that brings us to the fifth thing that we learn from the life of Jonah. It's this. Search for Jesus in the pain. Because so often with consequences comes pain. Listen to Jonah's prayer as he sits in the belly of the fish. Chapter two, starting in verse one, it says, from the inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, 
and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again to your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. <clears throat> to the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath bared me forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I love this. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah is in a raging sea. He was in the lowest of lows. He had seaweed wrapped around his head. There was nowhere to go but down. And in the midst of his pain, he sought Jesus. In the midst of dealing with his consequences and accepting them, he said, but yet I will shout praise. I will seek out the holy temple. I will give you praise and honor and glory. Jonah pursued and praised God in the middle of his pain. You see, this is what I love about what happens here. You see, Jonah could have prayed that prayer on the boat, couldn't he? He could have said, God, I get it. My bad. I don't, I don't want to go through this storm anymore. I don't want to take these people down with me. He could have asked God to step in when he was on top of the water, but he didn't do that. You know why? He hadn't taken responsibility for his, for his mistakes yet. You see, some of us, we want to praise and pursue God and at the same time remain in our mistake. We want the blessing from him without giving him the obedience from us. Some of us have been stuck for what feels like years and we're crying out to God. We're doing all the right things, but we want his blessing without our obedience. My entire childhood, my parents, when I was born, they were addicts. When I was about four, they started to seek sobriety. So I grew up in a 12-step program. My brother's here today with my whole, we grew up in a 12-step program. I got more aunts and uncles that aren't my aunts and uncles than I do have that are my aunts and uncles. That made sense to me. And today they have 29 years of sobriety and I've gotten to watch them mentor and sponsor young addicts and I'll, it'll be 3 a.m. and they're on this hotline and somebody's calling my dad or my mom and they're pacing the hallway and talking to this person who's, you know, trying to make a decision at 3 a.m. Are they going to, are they going to, you know, relapse? Are they going to, and, and, and I've heard them say this so many times growing up. One of the things I've always heard is they've said, you can't get clean, but live dirty. You can't get clean and live dirty. In other words, sorry for being crass, you can't get clean and stop by the same crack house on payday. My dad shares a story. He said, I got paid every Friday and I went to the same neighborhood called 10 Mile, 10 miles outside of Charleston. Years ago, five or six years ago, we were doing an adopt-a-block 
through the Seacoast Dream Center down in Charleston. And my dad and my mom joined us and we get into the neighborhood. My dad said, this is where I used to buy all my drugs from. You know, you can't get clean and stop in the same neighborhoods. You can't get clean and spend Friday nights up at the bar. We can't get clean and live dirty, but we are gonna give it our best shot, aren't we? I've been there. I've been there. God, I give you my life. God, I give you, I give you my future, not my past. Because if I give you my past, I gotta deal with the consequences of my past. But I feel like so many of us are in the boat like Jonah, just kind of waiting for the storm to end, waiting for things to pass. And God's just waiting, take, take some responsibility, own it, get out of the boat. But we're so afraid of what we'll find if we get out. Obedience precedes the blessing. Obedience precedes the blessing. Jonah took responsibility for his mistake and then pursued God in the pain of the consequences. You see, what Jonah didn't know at the, at the time was that the fish wasn't a part of his consequences. The fish was a part of his comeback. Maybe you feel as though you've repented. <coughs> you've taken responsibility, responsibility for your mistakes and man, things just don't seem to get better. Could it be that you're just in the belly of a fish? And it's time to move from sorrow, from self-pity, to praise and gratitude. Jonah didn't, Jonah didn't know that the fish was God's plan to rescue him. At the time, it only felt like he was in a fish. I bet you that's terrible. But he was determined to praise God in the midst of his pain. And in verse 10, we see this. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So you may be saying, Robbie, I've been waiting for so long. I've been doing everything I can to right my wrongs. And I don't even know where my wrongs were, but I've been doing all the right things. And, and, and Jonah only had to spend three days and three nights in a fish. And I agree, it was just three days and three nights in a fish, but it was in a fish. What am I saying? Keep praising. Keep pursuing Jesus in the pain. And when the, time when the time comes, get back on track. Get back on track. We see in Jonah chapter three, the fish has vomited Jonah up the shore and, I, and God gets right back on it. He says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. There's so much beauty in these three verses because God didn't move on from Jonah. He didn't send Jonah off to live out the rest of his days as a consequence to his disobedience. Instead, God brought Jonah's purpose right back to him. God does not pull you from your purpose when your life gets off track. God's purpose for your life remains. And when God asked Jonah a second time to go to Nineveh, Jonah didn't argue and tell God, no, I've messed up. I'm not, you choose someone else. I'm no longer worthy. I've made my choices. I'm a bad Christian. No, it says Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. And if we were to keep reading, we would see that 
Jonah went to Nineveh, a large city. It says it took him three days to travel in and out of the city to preach the word of God. And eventually his message gets to the king of Nineveh. And he decrees that the entire city should repent and be saved. They should call on God. And so instead of allowing the enemy to warp his mind, Jonah made the decision to embrace God's grace. Some of us need to do that this morning. We can't seem to get back on track because we keep self-sabotaging ourselves. Let me hear you. Your mistakes do not disqualify you from your purpose. Why? Because God's pursuit of you never ends. In the pain, he's still pursuing. John Maxwell says this. He says, <clears throat> grace always runs downhill. And it met me when I was at the bottom, not the top. Everybody's thinking about a rap song. I know I am. I don't remember the name of it. Sometimes we underestimate the power of God's grace. Grace always runs downhill and it finds us so often at the bottom, not the top. This morning, somebody here, somebody listening online has to allow God to meet them at the bottom. Somebody here has to stop believing that your mistakes define you and start believing that the grace of God is right there with you. And that's all you have to do is turn around and accept it. Accept the grace of God. You don't have to beat yourself up the way that you've been doing. This, just yesterday, my, young, my middle child had knocked something over and he had went into the room and he was just speaking so negatively about himself. And, you know, I thought for a moment, man, we do that so often, don't we? And so I said, Makai, here's what I want you to do. I want you to speak to yourself the way you would speak to someone else if they had made a mistake. You wouldn't tell them that they're a screw up. You wouldn't tell them that they just keep messing. No, you would say, hey, it's okay. Some of us got to start speaking to ourselves the way we speak to the people in our lives. We don't beat them up, but we beat ourselves up. We've got to start accepting the grace of God. So let me pray this morning. Jesus, this morning, <coughs> we thank you that we can look at the life of Jonah in what looks to be just such a short moment in history. God, you paint such a clear picture of your grace and of your mercy. I pray today that wherever we are at in our journey, that we can find ourselves in the life of Jonah. Maybe you're pushing us towards our purpose and you're asking us to do something and Help us to take the right steps forward. Or maybe we've strayed away and maybe we've been disobedient and we're living in our sin and we're living in a storm. And God, I, I pray that some of us would be brave enough, bold enough to take responsibility and trust you to navigate us forward, to push us back into our purpose that we've strayed so far away from. Maybe today there's someone here that says, I don't even... I don't even know this God you speak of. Jesus, today, if you're pursuing someone's heart for the very first time, God, I pray that you would just pull them to you. In fact, today, if, if you want to receive Jesus into your heart, into your life, just pray this prayer with me. You can do it silently in your own spirit. Jesus, this morning, thank you for painting a picture of your grace 
And even though I've lived a life astray or <clears throat> I've lived a life turning you down today, Jesus, I turn. I, I, I'm, I'm turning my ship from Tarshish back to, back to you. And Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I thank you for taking my sin, my pain, my life, taking it to the cross, taking it to the grave and, and leaving it there. And you rose three days later. The scripture tells us that just like Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, you spent three days and three nights in the grave and you rose again. God, today we got an opportunity to be Jonah, to say, I choose you, so I accept you into my heart. I accept you into my life. I'm gonna live today pressing forward to find freedom from the things that hold me back. Jesus, my life's not gonna be different when I walk out of here, but I got hope now. I've got people who care about me. I've got people who accept me. I've got people who are willing to walk in the pain with me. And we partner with you. Jesus, I accept you into my heart. God, we give you all the honor and the glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. The Gathering Church podcast is produced by the Gathering Church creative team. Want to get involved? Fill out a connect card online at gatherashville.org. Find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.